This is The Fourth Revolution by Bartel, a podcast on the technology driving change in manufacturing. Hello, everyone. Welcome to The Fourth Revolution by Bartel. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. U.S. unemployment is at a 50-year low, which by most accounts is a win, right? People are getting back to work. But as employment increases, certain industries are seeing a commonality. That skilled labor is still short on supply. Why is that? And how, in manufacturing specifically, are trends in the industry amplifying this need for skilled labor? Today's episode is getting some thought leadership from outside of Bartel's walls. I'm pleased to welcome Randy Wolken, president and CEO of MACNI, the Manufacturers Association of Central New York. Randy, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for inviting me. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to getting your insight on this. I know you've been on CNBC, interviewed on a very similar topic. You write a weekly email that you send out to hundreds of members. You've published a book. You've got a second one on the way. This topic seems to be something that really gets you passionate. It certainly does because I think there's been a a huge shift in what manufacturers need. And of course, the availability of labor has really changed the way we look at both how they hired people and the way in which business gets done today. So I think we need a little more context on what those changes are in manufacturing and the ripple effect that it's having on the labor force. So I know that you felt as of late that manufacturing in New York State specifically is thriving again. You're feeling there's a lot of opportunities, moments of innovation. What does it feel like to be in manufacturing in New York today? Actually, it's an exciting time. I've been doing this work for about 20 years, and I will tell you, I've never been more positive about the direction manufacturing is moving in this state. Uh, and it's because of the, you know, the big trends in manufacturing overall. And I think uh, U.S. manufacturing is on the rise for a lot of key uh, and important changes that have happened over the last decade. And I think that has made it harder to find people, but also more exciting for manufacturers. Yeah. Are, are you seeing companies spring up, like smaller companies open their doors in New York State? Are you seeing larger companies move their operations over to New York because manufacturing is thriving there? Kind of what what's the business um, business context for this? Sure. You're seeing a lot of small, medium-sized companies thrive in this new economy. And I think you're going to continue to see that. I think the large companies will have their place in space, but they're under constant assault by small, medium companies. Um, and so that provides an opportunity for a company of nearly any size to compete globally. And I think you're going to continue to see that. It, it comes down to the types of people you have on team, your ability to implement new technologies, take advantage of them, and to reach new markets. So um, a combination of existing companies growing, investing, a combination of some large into New York State, large companies moving to New York State has become very proactive in trying to attract them. Uh, and I think this the changing way in which things are made today opens up the U.S. in particular to, to growth. So let's uh, speak a little bit more on those changes here in the States, um, specifically just, just the larger changes in manufacturing. And really that can all be summed up with the fourth industrial revolution, right? It's it's being led by automation, efficiency. There's more data to analyze. It's It's completely changing manufacturing. What are the changes that you're seeing are having the biggest impact? I've kind of defined them into what I'll call the top 10 trends in manufacturing. I need to capture what I'm seeing out there uh, more globally. And first of all, the workforce itself is more tech, tech savvy and diverse than ever. And I th- see that trend continuing. Uh, manufacturing is more than just making things. It's a service today. 
so they're capturing more value opportunities, and that, that requires tech savvy and, of course, uh, creative people. You mentioned the Internet of Things explosion, um, which is really changing the way things can be made today, and, of course, the way in which we can sell them across the globe. Um, cybersecurity is a big part of it now. You need people to be able to protect you know, your you know, data, to protect your communications. Uh, another big trend, and we have a lot of uh, universities and colleges in New York State, just a significant amount of industry, university collaboration, not only to find the workforce, but to work on products. The supply chain itself is being leveraged through blockchain. Um, and some of the technologies are really exciting. You know, AR and VR growth, data analytics, AI, machine learning, um, you know, and I think the result has been more and more companies not just doing B2B, but B2B to C. Uh, and I think you're going to see and you're already seeing some increased reshoring and made in USA emphasis, uh, even foreign countries wanting to be here in our country, specifically related to some of the trade uh, actions that are happening. But but beyond that, just it's a great place to make things. And I think becoming more and more cost competitive with the lowering cost of energy and, and then, of course, IT protections here. So those kinds of things are all generating real excitement, both in New York and across the country. And I think what's exceptionally exciting about the automation side of this is that, I, you know, I think if you step back a few years and you would ask someone, what do you think automation is going to do to the manufacturing workforce? You might be met with answers like, oh, it's going to take away our jobs. You know, it's going to completely transform the industry in a negative way just because people aren't going to have work. But that's the opposite of what we're seeing. The automation and the efficiency is actually just empowering people's jobs. And it's really giving people more fulfilling and more focused positions, um, whether that is uh, at the job site, on the factory floor, whatever it might be, which is exciting. But it is having a very tangible effect on what those jobs are. Are so. I'd like to ask, you know, what what is changing with the jobs themselves? How is this fourth industrial revolution affecting the types of jobs in manufacturing? You know, I'm glad you brought this up, Daniel, because I'm hearing the same thing. You are like, oh, I'm afraid of automation. You know, people in the general public, my friends, family, others I see in the community, are saying, oh, the jobs are just go away. And I try to correct them as soon as I can because it's like, no, that's not what's right. happening. Those jobs are changing, and those individuals in those Facilities are actually uh, more important than ever. People are being transitioned into these new tech jobs. Um, and I think that's what has to happen. The workforce itself is transitioning in terms of the skills needed, but we just don't have enough people. For the first time in our lifetimes, we literally have more jobs open than people looking for those jobs. And that trend is not going to change. So uh, all those uh, individuals out there are saying, oh, all these jobs are going to be destroyed and all these people are going to be out of work. Well, the first statement is probably true. Those jobs will change dramatically, but we need individuals who are smart, capable, and willing to work, and that is not going to change. So these positions are requiring a deeper understanding of data analysis and uh, technical skills. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is, is, is that what you're saying? Yes, yes. So the technical skills uh, continue to be 
needed and stacked. I mean, reality is you're learning one new thing after another. The whole learning environment is changing. People have got to learn more quickly and they need to be able to assimilate the changes because in workplaces, the technology doesn't stay for long periods of time anymore. So you have to learn the new piece of equipment and the new data analytics piece. So learning capability uh, beyond just rote understanding is needed. Um, you have to be tech savvy, but you know, the current generation is. Uh, and that's a good thing. And I think even the older generations, I happen to be uh, a, a boomer, is um, we're all learning that too. Uh, and we're learning sometimes from millennial colleagues. But clearly, the jobs themselves require a greater level of creativity. Uh, it's fact, the number one job skill being asked for across the globe today by CEOs. And, and that's because it's not just technology. It's how do I use that technology more creatively? I have to be able to be more creative. So that's another thing that we're seeing. You know, we're working here at Mackey, for example, with school systems because young people and older people have to learn differently today. If things keep changing, our ideas and our skills have to keep changing. Okay, so let's transition back over to the employment conversation. Um, I think the United States as a whole is probably not feeling this strain quite as much as manufacturing specifically because as a whole unemployment is very low it's down to 3.6 percent which is the lowest level we've seen since 1969 which is exciting for a lot of people people are back to work uh have you seen this around you more people in your industry at work in general absolutely and what we're seeing is i've never seen so many open positions i mean literally five to ten percent of manufacturing jobs are unfilled today in many critical skill um, spaces. So the reality is um, we can't find the workers. People are literally turning away work. They're literally not taking on that next assignment because they don't have the workforce to do it. So that's a sea change, especially in New York, where there was, an, uh, I would call an overabundance as factories and opportunities moved other places. Uh, we had an overabundance. You could put an ad in the newspaper, and at the time it was the newspaper, uh, and you'd have plenty of applicants who had that skill set. Today, you'll advertise obviously differently, but you'll have no one who will be actually qualified for it. So I have to dig much deeper. And more and more companies are bringing people on to train them on the job. Uh, that's a different trend we're seeing in manufacturing as well. Yeah, it's uh, it's trading one problem for another. And right. it's kind of, I mean, I, I guess you could say the latter is better because you'd rather yes. try to expand the workforce. But it affects companies very similarly. I mean, I, you know, if you uh, are missing the skilled labor you need to um, to complete your manufacturing orders or to to get what you need done, then I mean, that's obviously going to put a hindrance on you as a company. So we'll we'll get to that how it's affecting businesses specifically. But you mentioned skilled labor doesn't have the same excitingly low rate of unemployment. I mean, there's there's just not people to fill these positions. Why do you think this gap exists in the first place? Well, I think the technology has required a higher level of capability. Um, and, you know, uh, people in manufacturing today prim primarily are not assembly line workers. Uh, they have to bring their minds. They have to be a higher, ed higher educated, but really in the skills education space. I think this is, in fact, a mismatch going on in our country today. We tell all bright young people and, in fact, everybody, go to college, go to college. Well, that's really not a solution. You have to specifically get skills, uh, and those skills will get you jobs. And you can have jobs today that, sp that pay very well without a college education or just some education or skills learning beyond high school. Um, so all those skilled labor trades which have kind of uh, dwindled are, are back in big demand. We can't hire enough welders, can't hire enough CNC operators. 
So the reality is I think our school system in some ways is mismatched to the new need. Uh, we're working on that. And many people have to work on that because otherwise we won't have uh, in the new generation, in the upcoming generation, the skill sets we need for, to make things uh, and to really thrive in the fourth industrial revolution. That's interesting. Do you think this is something that we can start to solve as early as the elementary or middle school level? Or is this something that we need to focus in on in higher education? Well, I think we need to start um, in, in uh, elementary, middle school. Uh, we need to start with parents. Parents need to see what these new job opportunities are. Uh, there are some actually some products and services where we're helping school districts take a look at because, you know, STEM careers are the careers of the future, period. Some people call them STEAM because you have to have the arts and creativity in there. But the jobs of the future will always have technology. There's, not, there's no longer a non-tech job. Uh, if you're in retail, if you're in wholesale, no matter what industry you're in, you're using tech. And you need to understand science, you need to understand the math. And even if you don't like it, you have to learn to be within the context of it, understanding it. So we do need to change the way we educate. We need to start in elementary school exposing people to, to the, you know, obviously foundational skills still, but exposing people to careers by middle school. You're probably needing to, to think about and choose your first career so that in high school, you can make sure you take the right course load and then you go off to the right learn types of learning, which I do think higher ed is going to be changing. I think you're seeing it already. Um, that is, with especially with the demographic change, you know, schools are going to say, uh, geez, if I'm only giving someone a degree, is that going to be enough? And only you know, the really strong schools that focus on degrees will, will thrive. I think other schools will have to focus to more skills, training, learning, more online training, learning. So I think the whole educational system's in for a big overhaul. I'm already seeing it in some school districts uh, throughout the country. We're trying to bring some of that here to New York. It's a little bit harder here, but I think we'll get there. And what about education on the industry's behalf? Do you think the industry is promoting these careers in the right way? Because this is something I've heard from people in other labor-intensive industries, specifically pro-AV, that sometimes these careers, which can be very stable, there are a lot of openings, they just don't get advertised correctly and they just aren't sexied up, basically, for, for lack of a better term, right? There's just not, not, enough, um, not enough interest from a younger, more tech-savvy generation. You know, they're, they're not saying, how am I going to find fulfillment in X career? Do you think there's a similar issue going on in manufacturing? Yes, absolutely. We need industry leaders and, their, and people on their teams to be in our schools. Uh, we need them to be able to explaining to the community at large why these are such great jobs. Uh, and, and the reality is they are. They pay incredibly well with benefits. They have a lot of stability. Um, but yet people are, don't know about them or don't understand them or don't realize how much those jobs have changed. Um, so, yes, as an industry, uh, manufacturing has to focus on its image because the, the image that is – what is the real reality today is clean, high-tech, well-paying. There are very few what I'll call dirty manufacturing jobs anymore. Um, you know, and, and those facilities are really high-tech. The steel industry, for example, has really high-tech going on, paying incredibly well. Um, and and um, so the truth of the matter is the whole industry in terms of what happens when you work there has changed. And it's up to industry people like me and others who work in this sector to educate, to communicate, and like you said, make it sexy. Because quite frankly, these are great jobs and they are sexy. 
we have to do our job. So let's look at how this lack of skilled labor is affecting businesses specifically. Um, you know, I, I'm sure, like you're saying, you're seeing a lot of small to medium-sized manufacturing companies open their doors. They're excited to join this growing industry that is very forward-thinking. Um, you know, it's going through that fourth industrial revolution. They're seeing the power of data. They want a piece of the pie. But what does this mean for businesses in the industry when there is a lack of skilled labor? And how is it affecting their throughput and ability to meet demand? Well, they're going to have to find the people, and that's become the big challenge. And so you're literally seeing companies, especially small companies that may be family-owned, uh, sometimes very small companies that have decided they're just going to transition out of the business. They don't know how they're going to find the next generation of workers. It's not the kind of place that they think millennials won't want to work, and they've had a hard time recruiting them or adjusting themselves. So I think there will be a fallout. Some small, medium companies, and even large companies, will, will not make the cultural transition uh, to attract millennials who have a higher, higher, higher um, both needs and, and higher expectation as well as they bring a lot to the table. So, so I think what's happening is the companies themselves will bear the brunt of whether or not they are changing. Uh, are they using the new technology? Are they recruiting the next generation? Are they, can they get people who've been around for a while but want a different opportunity to move to their facility? I also think what you're seeing, of course, is that, as I mentioned earlier, it's not just making things. It's servicing that for the life cycle. Even small companies can service their products throughout the globe because of the transportation systems we have in place and the potential distributions that they could have you know, in foreign countries. So I think that whole environment has changed, and therefore companies have to keep changing in order to be attractive to people and to let people know that, uh, that they're available for great jobs. What do you think it's going to take for small and medium-sized businesses to stay afloat and find those skilled laborers in kind of a, a short-term capacity? Because in the long term, yes, kind of revamping how we educate people on, um, on STEAM careers and getting students more acclimated with uh, what a STEAM career means, why it's exciting – that's all useful, but it does have kind of a, a several-year delay effect if we start early. So what do businesses need to do now to try and find those skilled laborers? So they're going to have to focus on their immediate solutions. Sure, I always tell leaders, if you're waiting for the public sector or the community to provide your answers, you're going to wait for a while. Um, so don't just wait. Don't sit back and say, someone else will do this for me. You need to, as a business leader, as a person in a business, get involved. Get involved at the school level. Get involved in your community. And also within the company, you have to create a culture that respects, in fact, in some ways, honors talent. Uh, and so there was a mentality, and it comes from the boomer generation. Well, you'll come, you'll work here, you'll spend your time, and then, then you'll get promoted, and then we'll use all your skills. That's not acceptable in the current generations, even from people who are boomers. Like, no, I want to be useful now. I, I, I want to contribute right away. Um, how are you going to let me, uh, you know, take charge of both my career and my opportunities within a company? So, but the cultures of companies and organizations across uh, the economy will have to change. I know we've changed ours here at Macney. The successful business cultures uh, in the manufacturing are changing their cultures as we speak. Um, and I think so you have to focus on honoring and improving the capabilities of each individual in the company. And you have to create a culture that really focuses on being that kind of place. Because it's not just the job itself, it's where the job is located, it's the boss that the person will have, the supervisor, 
oftentimes we forget that middle level supervisor, which is probably, well, actually, you know, from research, is the most important person that anyone will interact with. Uh, in fact, you'll leave that job even if you like that job. If your supervisor is not one that supports you and you, you feel good about and work well with. So within companies, the talent, focus, and the culture will have to evolve, and I think we're pretty rapidly. And then what about the industry as a whole and the thought leaders that guide the industry or organizations like MACNI that, that help set the tone for the industry and represent the businesses and the workers themselves? How can they begin to make actionable decisions that will hopefully attract skilled laborers to the industry today? Yeah, organizations like ours, what we feed on, what we need is leaders from manufacturing and people throughout the organizations to get involved. There is a tendency sometimes in manufacturing to be insular, to focus, to keep your head down and just focus on making your product. Uh, that won't be, I think, a successful trade for the future. Like you've got to be community focused. Otherwise, people in your community won't even know your jobs exist. And we all know, it, no matter where you are, people who are from your community are more apt to stay there because of other connections to that community uh, if you get connected to them. So we know uh, people in central New York and throughout New York will stay if they get that first job in our communities and are excited about that job. Um, so, so, so I do think that leaders need to get involved. And organizations like ours tap into that leadership, tap into the energy, and then we communicate uh, in many ways. Uh, we participate in the public sector transformations and private sector. We work with a lot of, a lot of private uh, colleges as well. Um, in order to get them prepared uh, for this new workforce challenge. And I, I think we need to start seeing it as a new workforce challenge instead of, instead of saying, well, it's kind of like the old. I, I don't think it is. So I do think that industry leaders, organizations like ours, have to be in the game. We've totally transformed ourselves from, I would call, a stodgy trade association you know, uh, 10 to 15 years ago to very active in the community, lots of services, lots of events. We do 300 events a year now. We just, we've had to change ourselves as an organization so we can better serve our members, both in direct services and to advocate for them and to help them get involved in the public sector, specifically in school, in school change. You know, I'm so glad you brought up community because it just reminds me of another change in business that I've talked on a lot, which is influencers and marketing and social media influencers. It, it might sound like, why are these, why is Daniel bringing these two things up? But it's because I think we're really seeing a value on individuals and on individuals impacting community as being one of the, the largest catalysts for change in business. You see it in social media, you know, you see companies put a lot of value in the influencers that market their products and reach their audience authentically. And it's that same mentality of how do we engage the community authentically that I think will help solve this issue of a lack of skilled laborers in manufacturing. Because when you when you appeal to people as people, not just as cogs in the wheel, but like you said, people want to be contributors to the industry, to the company. You know, they want to feel like their work has value. When you appeal to people that way, I think you can start to get them more excited about what these careers can offer them. Absolutely. You hit the nail on the head. Uh, people get their information differently today. They want it individualized. Look at the ways in which you can both get information, be entertained and learn. And that's where we're at today. So, you know, this podcast, many other types of work that you're doing reach a multitude of people. Um, and that's where people are getting their information today. And they want it individualized. By the way, we want our jobs individualized. 
we, we, we don't want to be, you know, a CNC operator. <laughs> Uh, we we want to know what our specific tasks are and how we make a specific contribution. That means leaders and supervisors have to go to the next level. Like, okay, how do I make sure you're happy? How do I make sure you're excited? How do I make sure you show up today with the right energy level? I tell my people, and it's true in our manufacturing members as well, the most important assets go home every night. Uh, I have insurance for everything else, but you're going home tonight. And if you're coming back tomorrow, then I have a shot to be successful. That is true of manufacturers. That is true of every industry, but manufacturing in particular may have a mindset like, we'll make a product tomorrow. We'll just stick somebody in that job. They're learning. You just can't do it. <laughs> so that individual, their happiness, their success, their growth curve, their excitement is what I got to invest in. It's not just the capital that I invest in. It's the people. And that is a mindset change, I think, for many manufacturers. Uh, and we need to be there. Well, it's definitely an exciting time for manufacturing because as much as it is the fourth industrial revolution, from a technology and a data and an automation standpoint, seems like there's also another revolution going on with how the people themselves are treated and, and the kind of uh, the kind of value that the engineer, the manufacturer, the worker has in the industry. It's definitely exciting. Randy, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. I know you've got a second book on the way. Is there anything you can clue us into as to what that might be on, or is it all hush-hush still? Sure. No, no, no. Actually, it's called Fast to the Future, uh, and it's all about helping leaders and individuals you know, prepare themselves to move as quickly to the future as they can. Our biggest challenge today is we want to stay in the past. The status quo uh, will not get us to what we need to do to be successful. So it's, it's called Fast to the Future. Uh, I should have it out uh, later this summer, or early fall. I'm excited about it. And, uh, you know, my whole book writing process is about learning how to do things quickly as well. Uh, I've learned from a millennial coach, so I keep learning. Um, and I really appreciate you having me on the podcast because I think this, these kinds of vehicles help people to learn and to engage in the things that really matter. Absolutely. Well, I'll be sure to keep an eye out for that book. Once it's up, we'll definitely help you get the word out there because uh, Randy Wolken definitely has a lot of fabulous insight here for the manufacturing industry. So, Randy, thanks again for joining us on The Fourth Revolution. It was a pleasure. Thank you, Daniel. And thank you, everyone, for listening to today's episode of The Fourth Revolution. And if you like what you heard and want to listen to previous episodes, you can head to bartellmachinery.com. You can head to the Our Company tab, and there you'll find all of our podcasts. You can also find our podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And make sure you leave a rating and a comment wherever you're listening to your podcast content. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. Till next time.